Welcome back to the What's My Play Sports Podcast, and this week uh, we will be going over waiver wire pickups following week two. My name's Chris. I'm Justin. Good to have you guys. So jumping right into it, quarterbacks, is there anyone that you're looking at? Uh, Derek Carr, I think. He's playing probably the best football we've seen him play in a long time. Um, they're also throwing the ball a lot more than I think we've seen in the past. Obviously, with Josh Jacobs being injured, uh, they have Kenyon Drake in the backfield, who's definitely more of a receiving back, as we've seen so far this season. I just think uh, Derek Carr's got a lot more opportunity to throw the ball this year, and I think... Um, in terms of quarterback options, usually the big ones have all been drafted. So you're looking for streaming quarterbacks. And I think, at least with the momentum he's got behind him right now, he should be able to consistently put up good value in your starting quarterback spot. Yeah, and it's not like he's done it against cupcake defenses either. He blew out the Baltimore Ravens defense and then followed up against what – Pittsburgh. A lot of people consider being one of the top five defenses in the league in Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh. Won both of those games, 430 yards against Baltimore and 380 yards against Pittsburgh. I mean, those were just a couple of monster games. And I mean, it's don't expect him to be scoring 30, 35 points every week. But I mean, if he's going to be throwing this consistently and accurately, I mean, 20, 25 points is pretty conceivable on a week-to-week basis. Um, other quarterbacks to kind of mention, uh, we we were just kind of talking about this before the sports podcast. Um, Trey Lance is kind of an interesting one. He's only owned in 32% of leagues. He's one of those guys where you kind of stash now and hold on to till a little bit later. But I just have this feeling that he'll be on, he'll be out there by week four or five um, and will be significantly better than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's got all the tools. Uh, he's going to be that mobile-style quarterback that you really want for a fantasy quarterback. So he'll have that as an addition. And I mean, it's not like San Francisco's short of skill positions for him to throw to either. Debo's having a great start to the season. Kittle's obviously a really good tight end. And Brandon Ayuk is really good as well. So, Yeah. Brandon Ayuk actually looks terrible this year, but he, I think once he gets healthy, he should be fine. He's been dealing with injury, but uh, yeah, I think if you just look at recent history, running quarterbacks, even when they suck at throwing the ball, as long as they're good with their legs, they'll be viable enough to start in fantasy football. San Francisco loves to run the ball. They have a great offensive line. So, I mean, honestly, I think, in my opinion, the worst thing that could happen for Trey Lance is he has a Jalen Hurts-esque year like Jalen Hurts did last year at the end of the year where, yeah, he doesn't have a great time. He's thrown 50% completion, nothing Mm -hmm. amazing, but he will add enough value on the ground to where I think he'll be worth the, the start as long as he is able to win over that starting position. Yeah, don't expect the 300 yards passing that we saw in a couple of games from Jalen Hurts. Like, I, I don't think we'd expect that from Trey Lance. But 40 yards on the ground, 220 yards through the air, two, maybe three touchdowns a game, <coughs> and the occasional rushing touchdown mixed in there, I mean. 
there's a lot of value to be had there. Uh, and who knows, he could be from a week-to-week basis once he comes in maybe even a top-10 quarterback from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, jumping over to the running backs now, there's really kind of two, maybe three names that we're kind of looking at here. Who's the first one on your mind, Justin? Tony Pollard is rostered in just under 49% of leagues. I mean, it, it looks more and more like a timeshare between Zeke and him. Zeke's still getting the majority of snaps, and he, but he's more of the, the north to south runner, it looks like now, where they use him between the tackles. Pollard's great out of the backfield as a receiver on top of that. I mean, he's fast, he's elusive, and I mean, he's just a big play waiting to happen every single time he gets the ball. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, right now, he's only, what, like, something like 30% of snaps, but with how he played last week, if he can keep consistent with it, I would not be surprised by week six or seven if it's a 50-50 timeshare. Especially with his explosiveness i mean it, it in some ways i'm wondering if this could turn into sort of a melvin gordon austin eckler type deal maybe not quite the receiving ability in tony pollard that we that you would see in austin eckler but has that same sort of like big play ability and is getting enough touches and is efficient enough to where there's probably some flex relevance in 12 team leagues not 100 percent sure if he's flex relevant yet in 10 team leagues but there's definitely the possibility in a 12 team league that he has some flex value uh the other guy to kind of mention from a running back standpoint though is cordero patterson uh he's listed as a running back on espn despite the fact that I, I think most of us view him more as a wide receiver that's been kind of transitioned into a running back in recent years. It's like a Ty Montgomery used to be for the Packers, where he's a receiver transitioned into running back, but they still kind of use him as kind of a, the Swiss Army knife skill, skill position player where they can move him into the slot, they can move him out wide, they can put him in the backfield, and he's kind of able to do a little bit of everything. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things, too, where it's not like there's so many skill position players to where he's only on the field 30 40% of the time. He's going to be on the field 80% of the time. After, like, Hayden Hurst, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts from a receiving standpoint, I mean, Russell Gage is okay. Uh, is it, it, who's the other guy? Is Zacharias or whatever? Right. Yeah, we're, we're starting to get to guys down the depth charts and really have no fantasy relevance whatsoever. And here's the thing, if Cordero Pat- Patterson's not lining up as a wide receiver, guess what? He's probably in the backfield running the ball and giving Mike Davis a break. So, I mean, there's definitely some value there in Cordero Patterson. Uh, another name to kind of mention real quick, J.D. McKissick. He's one of those guys where, like, you're probably never going to be starting him, but, like, if you need a guy to score you 10 points on a week where you have a bye week running back... Uh, he'll probably get you four receptions, 50 yards, and maybe 10 to 20 yards on the ground uh, just because of his receiving (coughs) ability. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if Antonio Gibson can chip into that at some point, but we haven't seen it thus far. Also, it's nice to know, for anyone that has Gibson, I'm sorry, 
But for some reason, McKissick also seems to get the red zone touches, and I don't really understand why, but he's getting them. So that is another thing where you could bank on the touchdowns as well from week to week if he continues to get those touches in the red zone. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out over the next couple of weeks or if this was just kind of a little one-week type thing. I don't think it's necessarily a lock to say that J.D. McKissick, McKissick is the is the red zone guy. I mean, he's not exactly the biggest body in the world. So well, that that's kind of yet to be seen, but it was kind of interesting to see that in week two. Yeah. Uh, moving on to wide receivers, uh, do you want to start off with the guy you spoke of last week? Yeah. If you haven't put Rondell Moore on your team, go do it. I mean, what else do you have to say? I mean, he looked incredible in the last game. Seven catches on eight targets, 114 yards, and a touchdown. Right now, Kyler Murray looks like the runaway MVP candidate. He looks insane. I mean, he's throwing the ball better than I think we saw him throw it all of last year. It's, it's him and Hopkins. We've seen it. A.J. Green is a, form, a shell of the former guy he used to be. Christian Kirk is good for three or four, five targets a game. He's good for a couple big plays. But, I mean, once you get past DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, someone's got to step into that role. And Rondale Moore... He just looks like the guy. I mean, again, last week, you know, seven catches on eight targets. And I want to say he failed to eclipse the 50% snap share. I don't think he played 50% of snaps this week. Yeah, it's and back. It still went eight targets playing half of the snaps in the game. Like, I mean, he's so fast. He's so elusive. He's a big play waiting to happen. He's just kind of like built from the... I know it's a cliche to say nowadays because everyone is built like Tyree Kill if you're short and fast. That's kind of the thing everyone says at the combine. It's like, oh, this is a guy we could see being the next Tyree Kill. But I mean, from what we've seen so far, his average like yards per catch has been insane. So I mean, I just think he's got not only consistency going for him and how efficient he's been, but He's if he's continuing to trend upward in that snap share, I think his yeah. target share will be It's crazy. He was he was in for twenty eight of the sixty one offensive plays. And so in twenty eight offensive plays, he had seven receptions. So one in every four plays, he's catching the ball. And it's not like he's just going five, ten yards. He's fifteen yards downfield. Averaged seventeen yards per catch in week one, sixteen yards per catch in week two. This guy's explosive. He's efficient with his time on the field. And it's as we mentioned last week, it's only a matter of time before his snap share goes up to 60-70% uh, with this kind of efficiency. Uh, you need to get him now if he's available in your league because after this week, there's no way that he's going to be there on waiver wires in the majority of the leagues. Um, another guy to kind of mention uh, is KJ Osborne. I don't really... I haven't really heard a lot about this guy up until this year, but just back-to-back -back consistent weeks as the third option in the offense. Seven for <laughs> 76 in week one, five for 91 in a touchdown in week two. He's had 15 targets through two games. And, I mean, it doesn't look like Minnesota's really going to be able to stop anyone in the long run. Like, you've seen moments where the Minnesota defense has been okay but then like there's a whole entire half where their opponent just goes off on them um so i i would be surprised if minnesota's throwing the ball a lot throughout this season and with everyone looking at justin jefferson or adam thielen kj osborne is man-to-man -man coverage pretty much the whole game 
another guy I think we should talk about that I feel like everyone used to talk about. Him, is Sammy Watkins. He's got like also just like KJ Osborne, he's got 15 targets through the first two games of the year with Baltimore. I know Baltimore's not usually a pass-heavy team, but obviously, as everyone is aware, they have been screwed with injury after injury after injury to that running back core. I think they're going to, I wouldn't say lean a little bit more on the passing game this year, but it looks like Sammy Watkins and Marquise Brown are really the two go-to guys in that receiving option up front. I just think... The opportunities are definitely there, and I mean, Sammy Watkins, as we've all known, he's a big play waiting to happen, so I think there's definitely some upside in him. He's available in 72, 62% of leagues, so mm-hmm. that's another option that I think people should definitely take a look at. Yeah, and I mean, in general, Sammy Watkins is extremely talented. A lot of his issues in the past have been injuries, um, and because of how strong that run game is, even with all the injuries... I mean, he's going to be in man-to-man coverage most of the game. Um, and if Lamar Jackson can get some consistency throwing the ball, um, look out. He could be a real, real impactful player as we get later in the season. And even if you were just going for him right now, probably flex viable in top 10 team, in 10-team in leagues. Um, outside of that, there's not really a whole lot else to really mention um, a couple of Colts guys that may have a little bit of value. Zach Pascal only owned in 20% of leagues. Uh, he's going to be a little bit dependent on uh, if Carson Wentz is there or not. And then once T.Y. and Paris Campbell are back, we'll have to see how Zach Pascal's snap count goes from there. But, I mean, at least for right now, assuming Carson Wentz is playing, I mean, he's definitely uh, one of uh, Carson Wentz's top two targets. Um, to go to and has decent flex valuable in that time. Uh, the final name that we kind of wanted to mention was Jack Doyle. Um, he seems to have, he, he's not going to be one of those guys that you're going to want to roster for the rest of the season per se, but Jack Doyle may have okay streaming value this week. There's not really a whole lot, uh, even less so probably than last year. There's just no depth whatsoever from a productivity standpoint at the tight end position. We got eight guys total out of all tight ends that are averaging 10 points per game. Uh, And we're not even sure if all of them are rosterable. Like Foster Moreau uh, is the backup tight end to Darren Waller, but had one game with 11 points. Juwan Johnson is in an anemic passing offense with New Orleans. So realistically, just we're we're stretching thin here, but Jack Doyle is probably the best streaming option for tight ends that are owned in less than fifty percent of leagues. Do you have any other names that you kind of want to mention before we wrap this up? Uh, yeah, going back to the receivers, uh, one player that we kind of skipped over that I think people should at least have some interest in and. If you don't want to pick him up this week, but more so put him on like someone that you're interested in, watch list, uh, would definitely be Elijah Moore for the Jets. Um, he had four catches on eight targets for 47 yards this year. I mean, he looked great during, uh, during OTAs and during the offseason, during training camp. The Jets raved about him nonstop. I mean, yeah, Jameson Crowder's coming back from 
injury soon. But, I mean, I, I just think the Jets are a team that's in a position where they have a new quarterback with Zach Wilson. You don't expect them to be leading a lot. So I expect them to throw the ball a good majority of the time. Corey Davis, I think, is locked in as the number one receiver there. But outside of him, that number two receiver spot, I really think is open up for grabs. I think as the season goes on, I think we'll see Elijah Moore slowly start to steal that number two receiver spot. And, I mean, again, he's, he's one of those guys that just has – He's not super big, but he's very fast. He's very elusive. And he's another guy that's just got really big playability in him. I think by the end of the year, he could have himself a really good target share in that offense that I expect to throw the ball a lot. Yep, and that pretty much wraps it up for waiver wires that we're looking at for this week. So other than that, thanks again for tuning in to the What's My Play Sports Cop podcast, and we'll be back next week. Thank you.